There's a snap. There's a kick. It is up. It is. No good. No one missed. I think we got a heck of a shot of winning. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. All you non-believers disrespect us. Talk crap about the defense like we ain't the third best defense in the league. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Fitzpatrick. And so, Eric Decker holds it in. The Jets win in overtime. And the New York Giants, given last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in February. This is NFL Friday. Going long on all news, reaction, and game picks for the Giants, Jets, and across the NFL on WFUV Sports. You ready for me to break some some ultra-secret news to you that NBC did not tell you on Sunday night? Taylor Swift was at MetLife Stadium. They didn't pan the cameras to her once. I'm surprised that no one paid any attention to the fact that Taylor Swift was at this weekend's Jets-Chiefs game. I got Brett Tulip on my left. I got Joe Masters on my right. I'm Jack Warner. Welcome into another episode of NFL Friday, WFUV's NFL podcast. We have a lot from this past weekend of football in the tri-state area. Another, uh, you know, disappointing f- weekend of football in the tri-state area for Jets and Giants faithful alike. Uh, lots to unpack, plus some hot takes, some underdogs, some locks for this week five upcoming this weekend. But before we get into all those things, gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing good. Uh, good start to, you know, the weekend coming up. Uh, I think you made a great point. I don't think the Taylor Swift coverage is enough. I'd like to see more. Oh. <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, I'm personally am very tired of this Taylor Swift coverage. I <laughs> uh, cannot get it Bad off take. my feed. Cannot stop watching football without Taylor Swift somehow being included. But besides that, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. You know, we're we're looking forward to some good games this weekend. Uh, I have my eyes on a couple. I know we're going to talk about it, so I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I think the whole like I think the Taylor Swift thing was fun in the beginning. I still think for like a, five minutes. There's like a, there's like a fun yeah. aspect to it, and I don't have any. Well, listen, look, I have two sisters at home that are Swifties, so I'm not allowed to gotcha. dislike Taylor Swift, but. Um, I, I have no I have no issue with her or or Travis Kelsey. The one thing that they rubbed me a little bit the wrong way is Isaiah Pacheco had a sick touchdown run, which we'll get into in a moment when we break down the Jets Chiefs games where he went straight into a celebration where he was just getting into it and I was feeling it, but you saw it for like a second and a half and then they panned to Taylor Swift in the press box. So, <laughs> you know, it kinda cut off a, a cool moment for Pacheco. I wasn't really a huge fan of that, but I digress. That's actually a great transition into how we're gonna start off this episode because the New York Jets uh, had a pretty gut-wrenching loss to the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night on Su- NBC's Sunday Night Football. And I think the reason it was so gut-wrenching is because you look at the end of that first quarter, it's 17 to nothing. It looks pretty lifeless on the Jets' behalf. And then from about the second quarter onward till about, you know, I would say, you know, middle, middle to end of the fourth quarter, this really was anyone's game. Uh, the Jets almost really pulled off a stunning comeback. The final score was 23-20 to in favor of the Kansas City Chiefs. You had Zach Wilson going 28-39 of for 245 yards and two touchdowns. Now, it's a little bit of a prettier 
stat line, I understand that there's been a lot of conversation, and I know we'll definitely get into some conversation here in a moment, whether or not that's as pretty as you know the, the general public is depicting it to be. But I think with a Jets offense that's been incredibly slow and very disappointing to start off this you know NFL season, I think you saw a little bit of a more competitive Zach Wilson on Sunday night. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we'll get into the specifics with Zach Wilson. But I will start with, it is this disappointing for the Jets because the rest of the team is that good. I mean, and even when your quarterback plays well and you still come up with a loss, it's always frustrating. But this defense is legit, and you can't control injuries, but you just hate that you put yourself in the position where your backup quarterback is a guy who might ruin your season and the rest of your overall talent and in defense. Yeah, I really think you have to look at this from two different perspectives, and I feel like the first one is the Jets' perspective. And from from what I saw on Sunday night, it looked good. I mean, Zach Wilson, two two touchdowns, 245 yards. We haven't seen him do that in, in basically a year, basically his whole entire career, if we're being honest. Um, so from that perspective, it was a really positive night, despite the loss. But then you look at it from the NFL perspective, and teams are scoring more points than they ever have, and 20 points and two touchdowns is really nothing to – you know, hang your hat on like, oh, what a great showing. It's just great for the Jets and where they are right now. So I feel like we kind of have to keep that in perspective. But I don't know. I feel like Zach Wilson passed the stat test. And you look at the stat sheet. And in my opinion, watching him the second half, he passed the eye test. He was he looked like he was co- comfortable, confident, in rhythm. And, I mean, I'm, if we're being honest, he probably outperformed Patrick Mahomes. I know we'll get into all that well, later. And that that's the most interesting thing is I think the amount of discourse you've heard about Honestly, how bad Zach Wilson has been since, you know, taking over as the New York Jets quarterback, both last season and this season. Zach Wilson, for the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career, threw for more passing yards, more touchdowns, and less interceptions for the first time in Pat Mahomes. So every every game that Pat Mahomes has played since joining the Kansas City Chiefs, he has had at least more yards, more touchdowns, or less interceptions than every quarterback he's ever faced. This wow. is the first time in which he was out, or I guess outperformed in every statistical category. But you know, we are gonna we are mentioning the positives of the performance that we saw from Zach Wilson this weekend. He is the one though who made a very, very costly turnover in the end of the game that really made this a heartbreaking loss for the New York Jets in the fourth quarter when he would fumble a snap that would turn the ball back over to the Kansas City Chiefs, who would then go on to run out the clock, basically, um, with a absurdly long drive. I think that they said the drive was over seven minutes. But you could see Zach Wilson on the sideline audibly. Well, actually not audibly, but you could read his lips, and he was quite literally saying, that's my fault, I lost us the game. So a very Zach Wilson ending, I guess, I guess pre-Chiefs game Zach Wilson ending to a great performance out of him. And I thought it was it was kind of disappointing to see a very back and forth game that really could have had a stunning ending conclude in that fashion. Yeah. And again, you hate to be too negative because he, he looked all right there and he's looked a lot better than he certainly has been. For me, the problem is he he played solid and we're sitting here talking about this as like the main segment, the main thing. Everyone's talking about, oh, Zach Wilson, you know, maybe he can be something. He just needs his confidence up. Like, he's had enough chances. I I have the stat here. You mentioned it earlier, but 25 career starts for Zach Wilson. How many games do you think he had with over two passing touchdowns? I'm going to guess not a lot. Zero. 
Zero. Not a single before one. The, before this game. He still had two passing touchdowns this game. I'm you're saying, saying with you're over saying three more or more. Than two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Zero. Oh, this I guy see, has I never see. thrown for three touchdown passes in a game. Like, again, I, I'm not trying to hate on the guy. It's just the flashes aren't there. There's flashes of looking solid. There's no flashes of looking like anything great. And for a guy who's had this many chances, like I don't know, I'll give it two, three weeks. I'd see Trevor. I'd throw Trevor Simeon out there. He can't. He can't be worse. I, I mean, I would. I, I'm not gonna blame Zach Wilson for getting chances. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm not, not blaming I, him for for yeah, his yeah. opportunity. He can only play what's in front of him. Yeah, I mean. yeah. I mean, I said it on 101 that at this point, this is before the game. Uh, that if anyone's to blame, it's not Zach Wilson. It's Joe Douglas and Robert Sala for putting him on the field. Agree, but but at this point, I do think he gives you a better chance to win than Trevor Simeon. I think Zach Wilson. You're watching Zach Wilson. For me, what I'm seeing, it's not really a talent thing he has all the arm talent you could want in a quarterback in the world he has some mobility and for me it's it's leadership and it's the mental side of things he seems like in the past he's gotten shook a little bit like in the words of Sam Darnold he's seen ghosts out there yeah and Uh, I I also think it's a thing of youth too you see a lot of you know he's I think a lot of people still overlook how young he is and and you look at last season he was the biggest thing in New York for the first five six weeks of the season and I think it's a thing that uh, is kind of a byproduct of the age we are in social media where everything is you can have a reaction to anything everything all at once at the same time you look at the history of the NFL it takes quarterbacks a long time I mean, what would they have said about Peyton Manning if he was a rookie right now when he throws the most Peyton, interceptions Peyton in Manning history? showed promise though with yards and touchdowns with young quarterbacks you want to see yeah, but you also a lot the of most interceptions in I got it in the, I, I got it history. but you want to see a lot of yards a lot of touchdowns and sometimes comes a lot of mistakes comes a lot of fumbles comes a lot of picks but Zach Wilson for two years he didn't have the large touchdowns with the large yards with the mistakes he had nothing and that's when you start to worry about guys guys who don't show flashes of high upside and high yards just the mistakes and that's why like I don't know I feel like the giving time thing there hasn't been a guy in NFL history, to just bounce back. I mean, maybe like Alex Smith, but... I mean, you could also say Geno Smith uh, at yeah. this point. But, he, I mean, you're looking at it... Right when, back, when, he ain't right back, when, <laughs> I love that quote. Uh, but when you're looking at it, um, I, I do agree with you. He hasn't obviously had a great start to his career. Anyone would say that. Even, you know, he would say that himself. But it's kind of like baseball, where you look at it, you can't just look at ERA and say, this guy's good, this guy's not good. There's a lot more that goes into it. And I think when you watch Zach Wilson... It's 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 not that you're watching him and you're like, oh, this guy can't. This guy has a noodle of an arm, or he can't, you know, make that. Th- he can make any throw he wants. It's just about you know some things that young quarterbacks struggle with: decision making, processing a field. Those things are what he struggles with. But the reason why I think he still is getting these opportunities is because number one, they invested such a high draft pick in him and so much capital into him. But also. It's because anyone that knows anything about football can see he has talent. It's just about if it's going to work in New York and in that system. And I think uh, Sunday night was a great positive step. Obviously, it's a loss. You're one and three. This team is too good to be one and three. So it's kind of tough because if you're on a rebuilding team, maybe you can give them more time. I don't know how much time the Jets have. I don't know how much patience Jets fans have after so many years of misery. Uh, But I, I do think Zach Wilson has talent if it's not going to be in New York I think he's going to get at least another chance somewhere I think what Brett says though does pose kind of an interesting question which is say we don't see enough immediate improvement from Zach Wilson which so far again you are objectively correct by saying that we are you know Zach Wilson was being celebrated for a performance that 
you know, uh, there are several other quarterbacks who average this performance per weekend. I mean, if you really, if we really want to, you know, break it down, Kirk Cousins, who's a lot older than than Zach Wilson, but is on a team with a losing record, you know, goes zero and three the first three weeks of the season and puts you know just south of four hundred yards and three tutties on the board in each game. So I understand exactly what you're saying, and it, and it does. It does lead me to pose what I think is kind of a it makes kind of your head hurt the question be given the current quarterback situation that they have there because again it, this was supposed to be Aaron Rodgers year this was supposed to be the New York Jets year to to you know have a remarkable season but it it poses the question of how long is this Zach Wilson grace period you know projected to be if we don't really start seeing results I do think that this game is a step in the right direction because truth like truthfully they lost this game and Zach Wilson played statistically better than their one win week 1 against the Bills mm-hmm. so you know he gets you know he gets credited with oh my god he was able to come in and get the job done after Aaron Rodgers gets hurt you know we thought the season we throw away the season as soon as we saw Rodgers go down everyone holds their breath when they see Wilson take the field and then the Jets win the you know win the ball game against a good Buffalo Bills football team but you see even in a game like that he coasted off being remarkably average. So this is a good performance out of him. I don't I wouldn't even say this is an average performance. This is a good I don't think the problem is that this isn't a good performance. It's that th- there's not enough of these good performances. This is getting propped up because they're so few and far between. But if we're not going to see, you know, the vast improvement or the consistency, if he if he can put up the numbers, if he can put up around the numbers that he put up for this game for the rest of the year and not cause a game-altering fumble at the end of the game, you have your you have a decent QB one behind you know you know losing Aaron Rodgers. But it's it's all about how long do we really expect this this grace period? These I don't want to say excuses, but I guess excuses to be made for Zach Wilson. Does that have an you know when is that expiration date? Yeah, and again, you mentioned a, a lot of what I, I was going to say, but. With the Aaron Rodgers thing, there's there's no one to blame here. It's no one's fault that the guy you trade for gets hurt, right? But Joe Douglas and Robert Sala should have been blamed in the first place. I mean, you took this guy second overall. You got lucky because you were able to trade for someone else who was available, who had drafted a quarterback in the first round and was looking to move on from Aaron Rodgers, and he wanted to play for your team. But someone's going to have to pay for this mistake eventually. And I'm, I'm not calling for anyone's job or anything, but you can only lug a guy out there so many times and have him play average to below average. You're right. It's the grace period. Like, how long is this going to go on until someone gets blamed for it? Well, it was going to be October 1st on Sunday night. I mean, it was. It, I remember going into the game, there were reports coming out that if Zach Wilson is sluggish to start the first half or is he just can't play, they'll, they'll pull him or this will be the end of the line. Um, but you obviously saw what he did. I think I think it was they were reaching a boiling point before this game, and I think it has helped ease that a little bit. I think the, the narrative around the Jets is a little bit more positive. But I, I don't think this is a situation where Zach Wilson now is going to have the leash for the entire rest of the season. He can just go out and do whatever he wants. I think it's still on a game-by-game basis, but uh, I don't see how you're not encouraged by what he did. Yeah. it's. I mean, I don't think people understand how hard it is, uh, and this is coming from a commander fan who's watched quarterbacks picked up off the street and, pra- and played two days later. It, it, it never looks good. So when you look at Trevor Simeon, that takes weeks to learn a system, to get in the building, to learn the playbook. It's not something, unless you're a very, very good quarterback, that's going to 
yield more positive results than Zach Wilson, who's been there for a year and a half, and who's more talented. If the only way Trevor Simeon's going to succeed with the Jets, if it's, he knows the playbook, has been there for a while, is comfortable, then you can see because maybe he'll make fewer mistakes. But right now, I'm taking a guy who's been there for a year and a half, who's been in that system, who has more talent, is maybe more of a wild card for sure, but I think people who wanted them to start Trevor Simeon last week, it's a little bit unreasonable considering he was signed to the practice squad, not even an active roster. This is a situation where you're going to have to you know, take it week by week. I know there's a lot more pressure because they are 1-3. and three. They had Super Bowl aspirations, but those, those have changed a little bit because the guy you got, as you said, is gone. So take a step back. We'll see. I think it's still a week-by-week, game-by-game basis, but I think right now at this moment, Zach Wilson gives you the best chance to win. I mean, I think, again, you make up a, a good point that there was a lot of speculation this past game was sort of his expiration date if he didn't play well, if he played sluggish. So I think I, I do agree that this performance against the Chiefs for now earns him, you know, continuing to be the starting quarterback of the New York Jets. I it, it's it's tough to it. I'm I'm struggling because part of me wants to be like rough and be like rah, 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 like he's not getting the job done. So it's not it's you know he needs to you know they need to move on to somebody that can. But look at your your backup after Zach Wilson is Trevor Simeon, who I'm not saying that like he's inherently bad, but like Joe mentioned, has was just assigned to the practice squad and hasn't isn't coming off of in-game reps like Zach Wilson is. Yeah, and again, you mentioned a report the other night saying they'd pull him. But but that's exactly the issue. You'd pull him for who? Because Simeon wasn't active. You'd pull him for Tim Boyle? Does that give you a better chance? I agree, probably not. But it, it's a lack on the of the Jets to not have not even a solid backup quarterback, yeah, but no, just like a fault. veteran, just yeah. anybody. A Minshew would be elite but as in terms of a backup. But... But literally any other like solid backup quarterback in the NFL would probably give you a better chance, and Wilson probably would have been pulled by now. Yeah, I mean, if you're pulling Zach Wilson mid-game for Tim Boyle, that's it's it, it's, it's more a wash. So, I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, that's more so. I, I I've seen it a bunch of times. It's more so just you're trying to get something going. You're trying to see if t- uh, Tim Boyle could give you a spark per se. Um, not really, maybe that he's better than Zach Wilson. It's just something different because whatever is going on on the field is not working. But in terms of leading up to a game on game week, naming a starting quarterback, it's very hard to do that with somebody who just got in the building. So we'll see how it goes going forward. But, uh, I mean, I think this is Zach Wilson's team for at least the next couple of games. Well, now that we've we've talked about a lot of the negativity, and, I mean, again, they lost this weekend, and, and their quarterback situation is so insanely TBD. But I do want to pivot to something that I do find interesting because in the midst of all of this uncertainty and, and some negativity, there is – a few things to point out that are working quite well for the New York Jets right now. And the one thing that I would like to to talk about really quick is, is the offensive line. Now, over the past two weeks combined, the New York Jets starting linemen have combined for a cumulative overall PFF grade of 65 and a half. So that's like a, a pass blocking protection grade. So their starting linemen have, again, combined for a Cumulative PFF grade of 65.5. That places them third best in the league over that span behind only the Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings. So you see New York is really just missing a quarterback. 
Yeah, exactly. It's it's funny you mentioned that. I actually was looking at the PFF grades uh, before this, but again, the lines looked solid. Elijah Vera Tucker moving out to to right tackle from guard. The line looks good. That's I think is the most frustrating part. Is this team has so much talent on offense? You have so many pieces. I I know Dalvin Cook probably. He looks a little shot. Two he yards looks done. per carry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but outside of that, I mean, the defense is that good. And on offense, Garrett Wilson, you know, Brees Hall isn't being utilized enough. But Alan Lazard, you have a lot of guys that can play football, you know, and I think that's that's the difference. Yeah, I mean, in New York right now, it's a, it's the tail of the two lines, really. <laughs> what we were going to get into that in a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's just completely two opposites. Um, and I think – you know, that was a concern for the Jets going into the season. I mean, you saw four snaps into the season. It, you know, kind of bit them in the back there by not really putting together a competent offensive line. But I think they're, you know, like anything, I and mean, you're seeing it in college football with Boulder right now, is you can't really build an offensive line in two months in the offseason. It takes years to build in any level of football, college, high school, professional. It doesn't really matter. The offensive line is arguably the most important unit on the team because it doesn't really matter what quarterback you have if you can't give him time he's not going to look good and when you do give him time look what Zach Wilson did he looked pretty solid and I think that also explains what we're going to get into Daniel Jones did not look good offensive line horrible well and that's the other thing with the New York Jets specifically is you're also seeing some talented football being played you know scattered across the field from young guys you got you got uh Joe Titman who's a who's a rookie playing right guard Against the Chiefs the other night, he allowed one pressure on 43 pass-blocking snaps. So he absolutely locked down a, a pretty strong, by the way, a strong Kansas City defensive line. You're seeing young guys that are able to play, you know, productive football. It's it's The Jets are such an interesting situation at the moment because I still don't, like, they're 1-3 and, and are now starting to border into panic mode. But the weirdest thing about the Jets is that I haven't been given nearly enough, and and maybe this is up for debate, but I haven't been given nearly enough to come to the conclusion that the New York Jets are a bad football team. Oh, absolutely not. I, I don't think they are a bad football team. And I think, again, that's what makes it so frustrating is this team has so many positives and there really is a bright future overall. And I think the Jets, again, with their youth and everything, will be a playoff team in the next couple of years. It just doesn't look like it's going to happen now. No one's going to dispute the fact that they have pieces, that they have talent, that they're young. I think bringing in Aaron Rodgers kind of maybe overshadowed the fact that they are a really young team because mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is that veteran. It, it seems like a win-now move, which it was. Um, but now that he's, I guess, who knows, out of the picture, we'll see if he comes back this year, which just would be crazy. Which would um, be nuts. I mean, yeah. dude, there's people, there's people he's, saying it could happen. He's, I mean, he's I, walking around with he, a brace. No I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, he believes in prayer and miracle. So I, that's, think, I think this prayer. is a, a Rogers attention thing more so than a, yeah, We'll see. Um, I mean, this has been with the whole – we opened the show with jokes about Taylor Swift. This has kind of been a publicity-filled first yeah. five weeks of the season, so I wouldn't be surprised if this is just a stunt. But I would hope it's true. I mean, yeah, but going back to the Jets, there are a lot, uh, there are a lot more teams in a worse spot than the Jets right now uh, on a franchise level. Um, I think it, the off season is looking a little ominous because I don't really know what direction they're heading. If say they f- kind of bottom out, four wins, top five pick, do you take a quarterback? Who knows? I mean, you're in a, you're in a spot where this upcoming class is probably one of the best we've ever seen for the quarterback position. Uh-huh. And are you going to run back a 41 year old Aaron Rodgers off a? 
torn Achilles. It's kind of like you're in a murky situation. Do you bring back Robert Sala, who's been a record-wise and not great coach in his tenure with the Jets? I mean, you're kind of in a tricky spot. They want Zach Wilson to be good. They want to get into the playoffs, preferably with Zach Wilson, give him a little bit more direction so they don't have to make that choice. But it kind of seems like that decision could be imminent. Well, a lot of uncertainty and not a lot of wins for the New York Jets so far to open up this season. But they will be taking on the Denver Broncos on the road this weekend on Sunday at 425 p.m. But now we're going to pivot to the other New York football team. And if you thought that the conversation we just had perhaps had a negative undertone, uh, you ain't seen nothing yet because the New York Giants continue to disgust many football fans in the tri-state area after yet another primetime loss for all of national television to watch as they fall to the Seattle Seahawks 24-3. to And I think coming out of this game, you could talk about how the New York Giants only put three points on the board, how they've been outscored 64-3 to over their first two home games at MetLife Stadium. Um, you know, you could talk, there's, there's, there's multiple different directions you could take this, but I think the main thing that everyone is very, very, very frustrated with is the fact that, uh, the New York giants have never, ever, ever had a reliable offensive line in several seasons. And I think this game on Monday night was finally the straw that broke Giants fans' backs because they were tired of watching Daniel Jones spend half of the game on his ass. Yeah, and again, I'm sorry if if this isn't a unique take here, but this is the take, the offensive line. And it's so frustrating for Giants fans because you, you can't say for sure if Daniel Jones is a great quarterback, amazing, if he could be. You can't say he's terrible either because there's no way to tell playing in front of this O-line. Like, under with all due respect, not to keep going back to it, but Daniel Jones isn't Zach Wilson. You know, there, there's something here. You just there's no there's no way to tell when every single play. I mean, you watch every single offensive play. He's running. He's running. He's running right away because he has to. He gets pressured immediately. Uh, uh, I, I, I'd, I'd say, no, he is getting <laughs> the offensive line does stink. Yeah. But there were like, multiple occasions uh, on Monday night. He made where, a few bad decisions. No, where Daniel Jones, pocket, but. likely because he has been pressured so much, he kind of has some PTSD maybe in the yeah. back of his mind where he's leaving the pocket too soon. Yep. And, and as a result, he's missing wide open receivers. I mean, I know one play where he had a wide open Wandell Robinson streaking down the sideline. And you look back at Daniel Jones, and there's an open pocket, but he's escaping because he thinks he's going to get pressure. And then he runs. Basically, gets sacked, runs out of the runs out to the sideline. I mean, the play's done. But if he had just stayed in the pocket a second longer, he would have seen that. And you also saw the goal line play where he had uh, Darren Waller wide open and ends up throwing a pick six. I think this is the thing with quarterbacks. Quarterbacks get pressured. Ideally, you can protect for them. But if you're going to give a quarterback 160 million, that's your franchise guy. You want to see you want to see him not get flustered, and I think Daniel Jones gets flustered. I think he gets sacked a couple of times, and that kind of sets the game off on the wrong foot. And I think you've seen that through all. I mean, they've scored three points at home all year. I mean, I I know their offensive line stinks, but it's not really a great excuse because the Seahawks have been hurt. Their offensive line's been pretty banged up all year, and they looked fine on on Monday night. I think. I think the Giants are in a way worse spot than the Jets right now for comparing Zach Wilson to Daniel Jones oh, and the Jets to the Giants. Because you look at this, they play the Dolphins, that's a loss. They play the Bills, that's a loss. And then the rest of these, Commanders, Jets, Raiders, I'm not 
a hundred percent certain they're going to win those games. I don't see a. It's a it's a toss up between two remarkably average teams. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I I really just I am not. I hate when people on first take people on these sports media shows go it's over but i i really don't have oh, much confidence. it is over it yeah, is over. I, I don't have much confidence because it's and only what week four week five i don't even have much confidence that this giants team is going to have some remarkable comeback and turn it around because like you like we talked about the offensive line isn't good and i think you're giving 160 million dollars to a quarterback who doesn't have the traits of a franchise quarterback you want to see well I, I do agree with you with the fact that he gets very flustered, and I think his pocket presence is sometimes very questionable, and I think being sacked so much is a direct cause of that. Now, it I think both two things can be true at once. It's a huge problem that he's getting sacked so much and that the offensive yeah. line is a, is a turnstile, and you he has no time to throw, and like I said, spends half the game on his ass. So I don't I don't... I think you can address both problems where it's like Daniel Jones is a very talented quarterback, in my opinion. In fact, you you open by saying, you know, you can't say that he's a great... I don't think we've been given enough to say that he's a great quarterback, but I don't think we've been given enough to say he's a terrible quarterback. No, I think we've been given plenty to say that he's not a terrible quarterback. Yep. He's not terrible. The amount, of games, no. the amount of games that, you know... The amount of box scores that I've read since Daniel Jones has joined this New York Giants roster where he has not only, you know had his quarterback stats, but has led the team in rushing yards. The guy knows how to make things, you know, he knows how to make plays when they have to be made. Obviously, no Saquon does kind of hurt. That's probably part of why he led the team in rushing yards. I mean, no Andrew Thomas. No Andrew Thomas either. He's not going to be there next week either. I mean, Right, so this team is banged up. This team is hurt. It's not any sort of excuse for how horrendous they look. Also, the other thing is, you know, the first couple weeks – because I, I was on different episodes of NFL Friday the first couple weeks of the season for a couple different Giants losses. And, you know, the main thing that we were so frustrated about when we were talking about the season opener was, you know, a 40 to nothing loss to the Cowboys to open up the season. You don't know where to point the finger at. Because, yes, because yes the Dallas Cowboys are a good offense. But you're still in the NFL. You don't want your defense giving up 40 points to another team, no matter how good the damn offense is. So, you know, I think people's head were kind of on a swivel after week one because it was like, you don't even know where to direct your anger. This last night, I I mean, Monday night, excuse me, 24 points to the Seahawks to me is not a terrible night for your defense. No, it's not at all. Um, and I don't think the Giants defense really is the issue. I mean, that tackling has been an issue all season, and you saw that long uh, completion to Noah Fant. Uh, yep. that, that was almost hard to watch, really. It was like, what are we doing out there? Yep. Um, I think another part of 24 might be the fact that Geno Smith was injured and kind of looked shaky throughout the rest of the game. I, I honestly thought that Drew Locke looked better. Uh, I don't. I didn't really think it was just necessary to put Geno back in because I thought the game was kind of over at that point, and mm-hmm. I thought there's no point in risking it when maybe Drew Locke is giving you a little bit more than Geno Smith than a hurt Geno Smith at that point. But... I, I really think the, the issue with this Giants team is I look at it, and the way they win games is, number one, with Saquon Barkley on the field. It starts and ends with him. And I think they're not a team where you watch the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are down 14 points, but can make that up in five plays where they just go bang, bang, bang down the field. The Giants just don't have a deep threat, and they draft a Jalen Hyatt, but they don't want to play him. They don't want to throw him the ball. It's like they don't have any weapons that you really – 
have to worry about if you're a secondary in the NFL. Like no one's really scaring you. And Daniel Jones doesn't really have a trust if it's something. It's nothing I saw where he doesn't really throw with anticipation. It's because if a guy's not open yet, say if you're the Eagles and you're Jalen Hurts and you see AJ Brown and he's not open yet, but he's about to make a cut in field. It's AJ Brown. You throw that there, even though he's not open, he's not there yet. You trust him to get open and be there. What is, is Daniel Jones going to trust Wandell Robinson to do that? Uh, or Isaiah Hodgins? He doesn't really have the weapons put around him to give him that confidence. That's an interesting point though, because I feel like there's, I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with you because I, I've been underwhelmed with the, I guess you could say offensive weapons on the field for the Giants in terms of at the wide receiver position and at the tight end position, how they've performed, I guess, for Daniel Jones. But at the same time, it's like, this is a, to me, it's a, it's a surprising thing to see because it was all the talk of NFL, not just in New York, but at the league level, the talk of training camp was Jalen Hyatt running 23 miles an hour and, and making defenders look silly and Darren Waller looking like an absolute tank. So it's it, almost baffling. It, yeah. It makes it, it makes it, it makes it more, if it, if it, if it wasn't possible, it makes it more disappointing. I feel like, well, I mean, I think that, that that's the case that, Every fan, every fan base across the league deals with where it's kind of like training camp hype, uh, players doing stuff in practice, and practice really isn't the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're good players, but I think if if you're Joe Shane, if you're the GM in that front office, I don't think it was really necessarily the smartest plan going into the season saying we're going to go get trade for Darren Waller, who's like mm-hmm. played two games in the last two seasons, and say that's going to be our wide receiver one. That's going to be our guy. They've been lucky that he's been able to play every game, and then at the same time, the Giants aren't built to succeed without a great offensive line. I mean, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, or Josh Allen and the Bills, they he Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes can survive without a great offensive line because they can get out of the pocket and make things happen. I know Daniel Jones is very mobile. He can run, but as we've seen, with a bad offensive line, he's he can't do anything. It doesn't look pretty. Agree, and the Giants have been trying to to build in a direction of a team with one of those quarterbacks that can do it without. And they just they just can't because you look at their last their the their last first pick in the NFL draft, not first overall, but first selection was Andrew Thomas in twenty twenty. That was an offensive lineman. After that, they took Kayvon Thibodeau at fifth, and then they took Evan Neal at seventh. Now six was Iki Aquanu. Who would have been a lot better, you know, has shown a lot more promise. Not saying Kayvon Thibodeau hasn't been great or a great player, but they're not prioritizing O line, is I guess the point that I'm coming well, I mean, they to. drafted Evan Neal as a tackle and he's looked horrible. Well, I know, but they drafted him with their second selection. I'm saying your number one priority, if you're this team, needs to be line. It, not anything else. Because it's it's hard to see if you can be that good if you don't value O line. Because they had an average receiving core last year. And they decided to mostly run it back. I mean, you draft a receiver in the third round. How often do rookie receivers? It happens, but how often do rookie receivers, you know, become instant contributors? And Darren Waller, a guy who's had injuries his whole career, suddenly think they're just going to disappear? I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember I was watching the game and I actually heard something that's pretty interesting. And it's that the Giants in the last five years have drafted more offensive linemen than any team in the NFL. So I think they've tried. In what round, though? I, they, I, they keep going like second. Why, they keep like, like trying. But. But late, they're not prioritizing it. But in the draft, though, the later rounds, you like usually in the first round and second round, like you see consistency in the talent of different players throughout all the rounds. Like, yes, you're good enough to see 
you know, you're good enough to get drafted in the NFL, it means at least at a baseline you are a good football player, right? But there are certain positions in which the, you know, hardcore talent of the player starts to kind of wither off the later you get. Quarterbacks, usually the cream of the crop quarterbacks are taken in the first two rounds, two and a half rounds. Cream of the, co- cream of the crop wide receivers, same thing. But there are certain positions that remain kind of consistent because there's such a surplus of linemen. There's a lot of linemen. Yeah, you don't necessarily so, need to take a guard in the first round. You don't like, right. But look at I'm looking at the Giants draft history this year. They took John Michael Schmitz in the second round, who last, also looked bad. He got hurt, and then he wasn't great when he was healthy. Uh, and then they took Evan Neal, like you said, last year, seventh overall pick. And in the third round of that pick of that draft, they took Josh Zudu, who does not look good. And uh, three years ago, they took Andrew Thomas, as we said. And then in the third round of that pick, they took Matt Pert, who's still on the team, who is not good. And my issue with the Giants is I think they've attacked offensive line. I mean, you can go all the way back to 2018. They took Will Hernandez. They've they've tried to build this offensive line. It takes years, like I said, to build one. And when you're looking for guards for centers, you don't really, usually usually you don't take them in the first round unless they're a generational type prospect. Tackles you really take in the first round. They've taken two first round offensive tackles. That is the blueprint if you want to build an offensive line. It just hasn't worked out. Andrew Thomas is great. Evan Neal has not looked good at all. I mean, at this point, they might need to move him inside a guard. But I think the Giants have tried to address the offensive line. I mean, they've drafted the most offensive linemen within the last five years. It's just that they haven't done a good job of selecting good offensive linemen, which is two different conversations that we're having. But I think, again, there's multiple places to point the finger and the offensive line is definitely an obvious one it's the one everyone's talking about but the other one is the play calling for the Giants does not look good at all in fact it looks I'm trying to find the right word for it 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 looks ancient it looks uh dusty it looks Mm -hmm. old it looks used it looks prehistoric um you know you got I remember during the game on Monday night there was a there was a three-yard pass attempt to Jalen Hyatt on a second and 18 instead of any sort of deep shots to to this talented rookie core who you're supposed to be boosting up, who is supposed to be, as I was mentioning earlier, you know, the real deal heading into this season. You got a un, like an overwhelming lack of uh, pass attempts to Darren Waller. It's just hell everywhere you look and I don't think anybody could have predicted that this is what the New York Giants would look like this year yeah and you mentioned that specifically maybe not in second but one of my biggest pet peeves and I understand why it's done but on third and long in the NFL every time it's like a screen pass or like a check down for like and four it makes yards. no every time. sense third third and 18 four yard pass underneath well they have no time they're worried that they're not gonna have any time to have any deep routes develop I mean can you I I, I do think the play selection is is questionable but especially on, on Monday night I, I mean did they have the time to, he got sacked to, a dozen times yeah I mean do they have the time to wait five seconds for you know a deep in route to develop or a, a, a Jalen Hyatt deep bomb like that offensive line wasn't holding up at all and then also you had Daniel Jones who was flushing the po- flush from the pocket or escaping the pocket when he didn't have to all night I, I also that's been my number one complaint with the Giants the last couple of years is it's really always been the short intermediate game which is it worked for them last year because you had a full season of Saquon Barkley to offset that uh, and they played really good defense and the O line wasn't horrible like it is right now so it worked but I always thought it was gonna be a problem where all right you're down fifth fourteen in the fourth quarter 
five slant routes and screens are not going to work all day. Like we need to get something going. And to me, the the Giants just don't have that aspect to their offense. That's why there's no real there's. It's hard to even diagnose the problem for the New York Giants because again, we've now in the span of this conversation have talked about ways in which Daniel Jones looks bad. We've talked about the very obvious, painfully obvious ways in which the Giants' offensive line looks bad, as does everyone else. You know, everyone else is aware of that. And we've talked about how the Giants' play calling looks bad. We've even talked a little bit about how the Giants' defense can't tackle. So it's like you can't say anything other than the Giants are likely in salvage mode. By like going into week five, they're already in salvage mode. Yeah, and I want to say one thing because I just thought of it because I know we're talking about offensive lines, and arguably the best one is the Eagles, right? If we're being honest mm-hmm. in terms of offensive lines oh, and, and, and committing to to building an offensive line, the Eagles only have one first round draft pick on their offensive line, and that's Lane Johnson, who is the fourth overall pick. Right. Uh, I mean, Jordan Mailata is a seventh round pick, Jason Kelsey's sixth round pick, and then their two guards are both second round picks. It's not something where I think I think it's certain teams are just really good at drafting, and obviously the Eagles have proven in the last decade that they're one of the best. Um, and I'm not really going to fault this current Giants regime because it's a new one. I mean, essentially a lot of, like, majority of the roster, it wasn't their decision to be on the roster. It's either Gettleman from the years past or even going back before that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I think the Giants, their their mindset is in the right spot. I just think they need to hit more, I'm being honest. Yeah, you mentioned the Eagles. They have missed on offensive linemen. I mean, they took Andre Dillard in the first round. They missed on him. Yeah. The difference is they prioritize linemen. And this is my whole point. If they have enough linemen, they'll take another one. Because when someone gets hurt, they'll plug them in. They'll take them in the second round. When they, when it's not a position of need for the Eagles, they, they stack up for when it is. And the Giants just look to fill other needs first before addressing their pressing issues. The Eagles are able to take these guys in the second round because they've found these cornerstone players. And the Giants, until they find those players... They need to keep trying to find them first. But the problem is Joe mentioned that there's been an abundance of of, of linemen draft picks for the Giants over the years. So they all stink, besides I, I, Andrew Thomas. Well, right, but I, have a hard, but I also have a hard time believing Gotta that— Got to keep trying until you, you find them. Right, but I also have a hard time believing—I feel like at a certain point, you know, we are talking draft-heavy, and I do think that the you know drafting ability is important. But at a certain point— we have to turn this – I mean, we don't know because we don't see what goes on behind the scenes. But I feel like there's got to be a player development issue within the coaching staffs at some point because I have a hard time believing that the Giants draft a heck ton of linemen over the past couple of years and all of them suck. Like, they're, like I just – and maybe that is a possibility. The NFL is a hard league to succeed in. But I just have a tough time believing that at the – at the consistency in which, and I understand they've they've you make a good point that they have prioritized other positions, but the point remains that that Joe mentioned earlier that they have they have not shied away from drafting linemen. I just really struggle with the idea that they're magically drafting all of the ones that can't block. I mean, arguably the most notorious example of a bad offensive tackle draft pick uh, was Eric Flowers from years back. I remember yeah. how bad yeah. Giants turned Francis, around with the Commanders. He, he became a good guard. Yeah, uh, and that's looking where maybe Evan Neal is going to have to transition to because it. I don't know if you guys saw the clip of him blocking Darren Waller, which was pretty pretty hilarious yeah. for me as not a Giants fan. <laughs> Just needed to stop him. Um, but yeah, I mean, offensive line is one of those things you can't really mess around because that's having a bad offensive line is one of the easiest ways to ruin a quarterback. 
Um, we're seeing it unfold. You're seeing right it unfold. It's 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 tried and true throughout the history of the NFL. So it's something where if you draft one, let's take Evan Neal a couple years ago, uh, it hasn't looked good. It's it's not something you can really have the time to wait around. Let's give him another year. Let's give him another year because that is hurting the the team more so than really most any other position on the field. Because especially when you have a quarterback you just committed to long term, one hundred and sixty million dollars. You can't have a guy that just can't block for him. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants continue to look to add the offensive lineman because it's just one of those things you have to keep on trying because it's not something like a, you know, linebackers where you can kind of give them a little bit more time. Offensive line, you need those guys to perform pretty quickly. I think a fitting, a fitting way to close out this segment is by pointing out that the NFL record for sacks in a game is 14. It was set by the Eagles in 1952 playing against. The New York Giants. <laughs> they blew. Since the stat became official in 1982, however, because back then a, a yeah. sack was just a tackle. Mm-hmm. Once the stat of sacks became official in 1982, the record is 12, and it was it shared three times. Uh, the Giants gave up 11, so they came just short of matching oh, history. Very close. In all the wrong ways. Uh, this weekend, just the, wait till they play the Eagles. Oh my God! <laughs> uh, this weekend, the Giants will take on the Miami Dolphins on the road. Uh, at 1 p.m. on Sunday. Now, I want to close out, before we, we, we close out this episode, that has been not positivity-fueled, but again, it's it's the truth. We're in New York. It's not fun to watch football in the tri-state area right now for, for keeping it a buck. A lot of incomplete, very incomplete teams and uh, just not a good product that's getting put on the field. We're going to take our attention elsewhere, although these teams could get brought back up, and I think they will. Um, they will. They oh, will. I, I, oh, I know they will. I'll spoil it now. I know they will. We will be heading back to a segment that we have debuted this year. It debuted a few weeks ago. It's a little fun thing that we like to to bring to the episode now called Lock of the Week and Dog of the Week. It sounds if, – if it sounds obvious, don't worry, it, it is. Before this show, we all prepared our Lock of the Weekend, which is a team, as it sounds – a team that is a lock to win this weekend. If you, sh- We are not, by the way, I'm putting it out here right now, we are not financially liable for any pick that does not land. Please do not do anything stupid and put your mortgage on a game or your or your or your you know your daughter or your 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 car or your, your my, my game you might want your to, do- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm feeling pretty confident. Yeah, your Joe's or maybe or maybe you do, maybe you're but either way. We're gonna tell you who we think is a lock for a dub this weekend and who might shock the world any sort of statistical underdog for this weekend we're really going off spreads uh who can pull off the upset this weekend and be the underdog so brett you want to get us started with your lock of the weekend sure yeah so my lock is uh lions over panthers um i think the lions will take care of business you know as they should continue their reign on the nfc north uh they had one loss in overtime to seattle other than that they would you know, be undefeated right now. I think I think Bryce Young getting a little too much hate, you know, it's first few games, but they, they just don't have the offense to keep up with the Lions. I mean, the Lions getting Jameson Williams back, this exciting, dynamic, high-powered offense. The Panthers have almost nobody. I mean, and they're on the, on the ground game, the Lions are first in, in rushing yards allowed on defense, and the Panthers in the ground game, Miles Sanders and Truba Hubbard are not going to be the ones to change this, so... I think I think the Lions. Yeah, mine. I didn't even look up the spread. Whatever money line 
it's it's Dolphins over Giants. I don't need to know what the what the point differential is going to be. I don't care. I don't think Andrew Thomas is playing. Saquon is limited in practice. They could both play. I'm still taking the Dolphins. Um, I mean, take out the Cardinals game. The Giants have scored 15 points in three weeks. How is that going to match up against a team that scored 70 in one game? Oh, God, I don't know. I, I, I don't see – I really don't see a world where the Giants can pull it off. I know I believe in miracles. I just, I just don't know if I'm going to believe in one on Sunday at 1 p.m. in Miami. So, Joe and I will be twinning. I also picked – our lock, my lock, excuse me, but really our lock to be the Miami Dolphins over the New York Giants. Now, I don't, I won't go ahead and say that it's going to be a blowout because, as as much as I do think that the Dolphins match up better with the Giants, and again, we talked about the barely present offensive line for the New York Giants. Miami has had a pretty questionable defense so far through the first five weeks of the season. So you could see maybe, hopefully, a little more offense from the Giants. But I think, again, a team that just put up 70 points, um, you know, they have a very dynamic, fast-paced offense that, especially with the Giants' struggles, just with the simple task of tackling, um, (laughs) I I don't see this game being anything other than another... New York Giants loss, which I don't like to say because a lot of my buddies around here are Giants fans. I'm really, I, I don't like seeing them miserable. But I, I, oh, my roommate's a Giants fan. I, I love it. Oh, I mean, it's, just, yourself, it, yeah. it, it, it's just comedy. <laughs> both of my, well, both of my roommates are Giants fans, so it's like, it's. it's I'll, I'll say it's actually it's funny for the first half, and then the second half you start worrying for their well being. Oh you yeah, start to feel bad. Yeah, and it's oh. like, oh, like you're kind of rooting for them to score. Like that pick six, I was like, oh man, like this is hilarious, but also horrible. When it gets to be time. that bad, it's like. It's yeah. not even fun. So this yet. Sunday could be a bloodbath. I think we should really just try to guess the over/under on the sacks allowed by the Giants. I yeah, mean, Bradley Chubb could have a monster of a game. I'll I'll put the line. I'm gonna put the line at. <laughs> if I had to make my own line, I would say eight and a half. Oh Jesus, <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. I mean, either eight, either eight either and a half sacks half or, or eight, seven and a half or eight and a half sacks. Eight and a half sacks or eight and a half points. <laughs> sacks. Okay, <laughs> I'll probably take that as well. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think, uh, I think I think that was I think we took the easy way out on that pick. Yeah, but, you know we gotta be safe here. We're putting well, people's money you know, was, on the I, line. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right, Brett, who is shocking the world this weekend and was has the privilege of being chosen as your dog of right. the week? Yeah. So I'll I'll just throw one out there. You have the Jags at home. I get it, not at home, but second week in London. You know the Jags, London team um, against the Bills. So. I don't know. I'm thinking I can see a, a Trevor Lawrence bounce back game against, you know, a good a good Bills defense, but they just lost Tredavious White for the season, who's one of their star cornerbacks. Um, the Jags offense is really good on paper. They just haven't lived up to their potential yet. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence will have to step up, um, but I'd like to see like Travis Etienne have a great game, maybe crack 100 yards rushing for the first time. The Bills are 20th in rushing yards allowed for the season, so they've proven they can be run on. Um, but it'd be nice to see the Jags uh, round into form because they've been better than how they've played so far this year. Yeah, I did not even know that they were playing in London again. I mean, that yeah, that back ma- to back to back weeks. They yep. they stayed in London this week. Yeah, that <laughs> makes it easier for them because I know that exactly. time change can be crazy. So the Bills might have to deal with that, and the Jags will be all good. But uh, I'm gonna take for the dog of the week. I'm gonna go Rams over Eagles. Sorry, Brett. Uh, but I like it. I don't blame I like you. It. I don't blame you. You know, I think the Rams have kind of. Without Cooper Cup, who they could be getting back this week, he was just taken off IR. We'll see. I think they've shown a lot of 
resiliency, a lot of fight. I think they have genuine weapons. I mean, everyone that plays fantasy football knows about Puka Nakua and what he's done. I mean, he looks like Jerry Rice out there. Yep. A fifth-round pick at a BYU. I don't know. I mean, the Eagles have looked a little suspect, especially that pass defense. I think the Rams are going to be passing the ball a lot, especially if they get Cooper Cup back. I don't know. I, I kind of see this as something where the Eagles probably have should have should have a loss on, on the record right now. Uh, I think they've been pretty lucky to escape some games, especially week one against the Patriots. That was pretty surprising, looking at how bad the Patriots have looked since. Yep. Uh, and then last week, you know, the commanders were three yards away from a two-point conversion to end that game. Uh, you know, I think it's something where we could see a Rams team if they get Cooper cut back, even without him. I think that could be a, an upset. I am staying in the tri-state again for my dog of the week, and I'm taking the New York Jets over the Denver Broncos. I know we had a long, critical conversation about the New York Jets, but they are two and a half point dogs against Denver this weekend at Mile High Stadium in Denver on the road. Look, I, I, I think, uh, you know. Even though we talked about the question marks that surround Zach Wilson, I do think if he was able to have as as good of a game as he had against Kansas City this weekend, I think he can do it against Denver. And on top of that, it's a defense that, again, surrendered 70 points to the Miami Dolphins. Um, On top of that, I think if, you know, I still have been, I've continued to be impressed besides the Dallas game, which is understandable. Dallas is very good. I've continued to be impressed by the New York Jets uh, defensive unit. I think the Broncos, not to be too harsh, are a sloppy, unreliable team. And I think I I, I, I don't like I, I think two and a half point dogs is good because I think it will be a close game. But the Broncos are favorites, So I'm going to take the New York Jets to get back in the win column for the first time since week one. That will just about do it for today's episode of NFL Friday. I want to give a big thanks to Brett Tulip, to Joe Masters, to Caleb Stein behind the board, everyone who hopped in the studio today to shoot about some football today. I'm Jack Warner. Thank you very much for listening. We will be back next week to break down all things week five and preview week six. Have a great weekend and watch as much football as you possibly can. Check you later.